So this is week six in the series. We started out of uh, Luke chapter eight, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago, six weeks ago, talking about the cost of discipleship and what Jesus talked about. Hey, look, like you believe in me, that's great. But if you want to become like me, it's going to cost you a lot. And so Billy Graham said it best when he said salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. I want to be like the greatest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. I want to do things that he did. I want to see healings happen around me. I want to see, um, I want to reach people that are broken um, and that are in need of hope. I want to be the vessel that God uses to be there when, when things happen. And there's a lot of change that has to happen in my life in order for me to get to where, from where I am to where I want to be. But I want to do that. So we talked about the cost. We talked about reading the word. Uh, we talked about hungry and how uh, you're, there's no way that you're going to take on this nature of Jesus unless you're willing to become a student and be hungry of things that you want to learn. Uh, prayer. And last week we talked about fearlessness. I'm going to talk this week um, about love. What's funny about love is uh, I think a lot of people, as I, as I look at this series as a whole, it would be assumptive that love would start the series. But the problem with that is that love happens in here. And changing this is one of the most difficult things in the world. Changing who you are at your core, the way you respond and who you are is a very, very difficult process to the point where you're going to have to change a lot of your habits first. You're going to have to change, you're going to have to decide a lot of other things before you can get to the heart issue of your life and the way that you are and what you do. Do you love human beings. And so it's, it's, you're going to have to decide to choose to read the Bible so that you can learn more of who of God is and what he wants you to do and the higher calling in your life. You're going to have to decide, are you hungry for Jesus? Are you a student of God? You're going to have to decide that prayer is going to be something that you want to have in your life every day when you're encountering God and, and revealing him. There's a lot of things that go into becoming like Jesus. And love is one of them. It's a principle of Christianity. It is a fundamental part of our life. And here's the thing. As I look at human beings as a whole, love is something that has been ingrained in us in such a way that just about everyone believes that they do love people. But Jesus has a way of defining it for us. And it's massively convicting to me, who's someone who is probably pretty good at a lot of it. And realizing the places that I can grow in is, uh, is going to be helpful. So anyways, I believe this word is going to be pretty powerful. Let me start off with uh, John chapter 13 as Jesus is going to talk about discipleship. And if you want to be like him, listen to this. He says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me as I have, as I said to the Jews, um, but where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also will love one another. For by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me stop right there. The whole world will know that you're my, you're me, that I live in you if you can do this well. And now that's convicting. So that like, let that sink in that people will look at you and go, yep, 
Jesus, if you can do this one thing. So then don't underestimate this, believing that you've accomplished this if people don't accuse you of being like Jesus. Let me keep going. If you love one another. And then it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So I, I wrote this um, a few weeks ago. I find scriptures in and I put them into what I believe is going to be the sermon that I'm going to talk about in a few weeks. And so I was on my way this week. I went to a funeral in Indiana. And as I got on the airplane, I started reading this verse. And just to remind me of what I was going to share with you guys here in a few days. As I read this verse, I realized this very verse came alive in my life just the day before. I was talking with my kids and I grabbed my son, Micah, and I said, hey, Micah, I'm going to go away and uh, I'm going to need you to be responsible for my girls. You're the man of the house now, son. Now he's eight years old. And I'm like, hey, I want you to know, man, you got to take care of my girls. You got to help mom in the morning, take care of Maylee. Now you don't, y'all don't know my daughter. She's wonderful in front of all y'all. She's, she's like crazy at home. And I'm like, Micah, you're going to have to help mom. You're going to have to like be involved here, bro. Like it's not about fun. You got to help mom first. Got it. Where are you going, dad? And uh, when he said that, I didn't think about it until I read this verse sitting on the airplane. Now, this, is what Peter, this is what happens. Jesus looks at, let me, let me reread that verse to you. Little children, I shall be with you just a little while longer. You will seek me, as I said to the Jews, where am I going? You cannot come. So I want to say to you, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, and that you will also love one another. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter said, where are you going? What happened is Peter completely missed what Jesus was trying to say. All he heard was, where are you going? Like, hey, uh, what's the weather like over there? You know, is it going to be fun? Is there good stuff? Where can I go with you? Like, no, you have to love. I love that what happens in this. I, I, I completely missed it. He actually, Jesus is almost frustrated in this scenario because he's trying to tell him, like, this is the point. No, you're not getting it. And like, where I'm going, you, you, you got to run the house here. You've got a responsibility now. You have to love when I leave. Where are you going? There's a really big assignment. I'm only giving you one responsibility. One thing I'm telling you, you have to love. Where are you going? He actually, what is so funny about this passage is, G, is Jesus talking to his disciples starts off with the, Scotty, can you go back to 33? The very first words in the sentence is, little children. I completely missed that. And I realized Jesus is talking to a bunch of kids that don't, they're missing it. They're missing the whole point. But I want to be with you, Lord. I want to go. I want to do something cool. That is 100% what my son said to me. Well, where are you going? I want to go. Is it fun there? No, you've got a responsibility to love. What is love? Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 would say, they would define love this way. That love is patient. 
Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It, it, it holds no grudges. It, man, it, like it, it always protects. It always trusts. It always perseveres. It always hopes. Uh, and, and man, I'm like, I'm reading this 1 Corinthians 13. You know the verse that your grandmother has in the bathroom and you're sitting on the toilet? Like this is like probably the most popular verses in the Bible and it's so difficult to accomplish, and yet we are so assumptive of it. And this is it. Like, this is the mission. This is the hope. Love always perseveres. And as, I, as a pastor, what I'm realizing is, man, this is awesome. Cool. Love you guys. Uh, people I love, the podcast, like, what just happened? People I love just walk in. It was cool. All right. So anyways, as I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, do we do this? One of my jobs as a pastor is meeting with people. And as I meet with uh, marriages and, and people, what, I, what I've learned is that most of us, including myself, only want to love when they love us back. And many people in this generation think that we have a license to quit our marriage when the person that we're with doesn't love us back. And we think like it's, this whole thing is about like the way they treat us. It's, that's not what I, the vow that I made at the altar was not that I would love you when you love me. It's that I will love you. I will love you the way Christ has loved me. But this is not just marriage. Please understand, like, this is life. This is with our roommates at school. This is with our coworkers at job. When people mistreat us, we push them off. But love keeps no record of wrongs. It perseveres. It trusts. It's patient. It, like, I am not this way. And many of us think that it's our job only to love others when they love us back. Yeah. Listen to what Jesus said in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. Please understand, they will know that you are my disciple when you love Cool. John chapter 1, uh, nope, John, Luke, chapter 6, verse 32, 36. That's the one. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, then what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to those who receive as much back. Man, that is really convicting, isn't it? Like, can you give without zero expectation of what you're going to get back? Because let me explain to you, that's exactly what God has done for us. I don't know if you realize how unfaithful we are. But he is 100% devoted to us. That is the love of God. And he is asking us to be disciples of him by displaying to the world what love is. Love is going to be there when you are not there for me. Now, can you think of an assignment in your life that God is calling you to display Christ to? Hmm. He would go on to say, but love your enemies. Oh, man, that, this is not a fun verse, y'all. I'm talking like, listen, the person who is rude to you, who is mean to you, love them. In other verses, Jesus would say, if someone steals from you, I want you to not just give them your shirt, take your jacket off. It, it, like, I want you to go the extra mile. Love people who are harsh to you, man. 
And I see it on the cross. He's hanging there and he's praying for those that literally put nails in his hands. This is our mission to be great at love. And I'm not talking about being kind. I'm not talking about being cordial. I'm not talking about being good at smiling. I'm talking about loving the hell out of people. Mm. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend, hoping for nothing in return. And, as, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Other translations, other verses would say like, when you give to those that no one else knows, I will see it in heaven and I'll reward you. That's awesome. Like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Keep it. Don't need it back. Don't ever want it back. Have it. And God's like, that's right. There's a cool verse in the Bible that says, when you lend to the poor, when you give to the poor, you lend to God. Now that's, that's, that's cool stuff. I want God to owe me because I'm generous. You know what I mean? Like, hey, did you see that? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I didn't tell him, but you, you, all right, cool. I'm just, that's another one. Uh, and he says, he is kind and, uh, and to the unthankful and to evil. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore be merciful, just as the father is also merciful. Man, it's our job to love those that don't just love us in return. Point number one, what is love? Love is patient, love is kind, it's good, and it doesn't just love us when people love us. I wanted to say, though, today, my point number two is that what love is not. Um, and, and love is not a lot of things, okay? But I, I think I'm speaking about this time in this age because I think that we can mistake the way that we should be Christ-like in our generation. Now, I know that as, as light, as dark is getting darker around us, we can be careful that we become forceful with the gospel. This is a dangerous thing because it's not like Christ. Love is what we do. And as I think about this, I think some of us, then we, we learn what is truth and we try to shout it and yell it and force it. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, Jesus being going to heaven, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent his messengers before him, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they didn't receive him because Jesus had set his face for Jerusalem. Let me stop there. I don't know if you've ever been like me, but there's often times where I forget to ask what God wants to do. And out of being stubborn, I'll continue to push and push my agenda. And you'll always know when you're trying to do something because it, it just ends up like trying. You're just trying so hard to get something to come to pass. And sometimes when we didn't pray about it or we're doing a, a renovation in our house. I'm, this didn't happen, but I'm using this as an, we're doing a renovation and man, the, the, it seems like the cost is just going through the roof and things are just happening. God's not worried about the money like you're worried about it, but you're trying harder than you should be trying in the situation. This is what Jesus is saying. He's trying to go to Jerusalem. He's trying to get there and he needs a layover. The disciples are trying to get him one. And when it's not working, they're trying to get Jesus a place to sleep tonight. They're trying to do something for Jesus. It's not working. Some of you are trying to fix your marriage. 
Some of you are trying to help your, your cousin uh, uh, stop with their addiction to what they're doing. You're trying to help people. You're, you're doing your best. And what happens is, it's not working. And so these Samaritans don't want to let Jesus into their village. They don't want to take in the, the, the 12 disciples and Jesus. And so the disciples look over at Jesus and they're so kind and they have this great answer. And for once they have faith. They've got boldness. They've got the way. And they say this, they say, oh man, I love it. He says, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to consume these people just like Elijah? Like, God, they're not receiving you. Like, we should just smite them. They're obviously dumb. They don't want you. Now, we laugh, but I'm telling you, I have seen this. I have watched this on the internet. I have seen these responses. I have even done this myself. You know, yesterday, my son wasn't doing something that I wanted. I told a few people this. I actually had to apologize to him. I blew up on him because I was trying to get a response out of him that he wasn't doing, and I got angry at him because he was not who I wanted him to be. Many of us do this to people that we love the most. When we love someone and they don't do what we want them to do, we get angry at them. This is what the, this is what the disciples are doing. They were forcing the love of God. Hey, don't you know Jesus? This is Jesus. You know, you don't want him? All right, I got an answer for you. Fire! You know, <laughs> this is not the answer. And Jesus rebukes them. I love it the way he asks. He says, you don't know the manner of the spirit that you are of. Whoa. Hey, hold on. Jesus is telling them that they've got a spirit that ain't godly. And that, hey, dude, that attitude ain't Christian right there. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, and then he goes on to say, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And many of us, we don't have patience with our love. We don't have kindness with our love. Our hope is that we want to fix you, but we're being so forceful that it ain't love. It, and God is not that way. He doesn't force himself on any of us. And many of us are so wise and we have so much truth in us that if people would just listen to me tell the truth, then they, they would get it right. And we've got it wrong. I'm realizing that we can't tell the world who Jesus is. We're going to have to show them. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that's going to take time and it's going to take patience and it's, it's going to take relationships. You're going to have to earn a spot to tell people the love of God. I want to make sure that we understand that like the world will know that we're Christians by our love. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us are trying to tell people and trying to fix them and trying to help them. But I, I've learned that you can't, you can't change a drug addict as much as you want to. You can't help someone with a sexual addiction unless they want it. You can't fix a marriage unless they want it fixed. You can't teach someone who Jesus is unless they want to learn. And as much wisdom as you have, you can't put it in someone's head. They are going to have to receive it. But I do know that when you're acting in a certain way, they'll want it. 
When will they want to see the Christ that's in you? When will they be open to it? When they see the fruit in our life, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the generosity. Then other people are like, oh, wait a second. I don't want to live this way. I want to live that way. Will you tell me? Many people know when they're doing wrong. You don't have, I mean, I'm telling you, I've been with the worst kind of folk in the world. They know when they're doing wrong. You don't have to tell them that, but if you can show them something that's great, I have to keep going. And point number one was what is love? And point number two is, is love is not forceful. Um, and so Jesus, he, he, point number three is that love, I was, I was trying to think of like, okay, so God, like what is, what is the one thing that we can, if we can just figure out how to get better at this, to display love in our generation? Like, I don't know about the generation before it, but how can we do one thing that we can get better at loving and displaying Jesus? And I thought of one word, love is giving. Mother Teresa said it this way, and I thought it was fantastic. She said, you can, you, can, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It is so cross-cultural to give. Now, we have to be careful because what's happening in this generation is the enemy is finding a way to take the gospel and perfect it in the world. And that's a dangerous thing, man. When worldly people are teaching generosity and the church is missing it. Yeah. We have to know that we are givers. It's an attractive thing. Listen, I can tell you right now, no matter where you are, if people are giving away something free, they have your attention. Chick-fil-A, free, I'm in. McDonald's, free, I'm in. If, if it's free, I would like to stand there. I'm, I'm open to listening. If you're buying lunch, I'll come. You're trying to, you're trying to reach a, 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 a family member? Buy them something, and you'll have their attention. Giving is what Jesus did. Look, hey, he got 5,000 people showed up, and the disciples are like, they're going to leave. They're hungry. Jesus is like, no, no, I got this. Just give me like two bread, a couple of loaves of bread, and some fish, and we'll, I'll feed them all. And he, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he multiplies, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. And he, gives. He, he is a giver. And so I'm thinking about this. It's, it's not just your money, but, but let, let me explain this. This guy, this rich man, he comes up to Jesus, the scripture would say, and he, he, he approaches Jesus and he says, oh, I gotta go. He, he, he says, um, hey, what do I gotta do to, 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 to know heaven? And Jesus says, oh, all you gotta do, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The guy says, I got this. He goes, okay, cool. Salvation's free. Discipleship's gonna cost you everything. You wanna be like me? You wanna follow me? He says, all right, great. Go home, sell everything you have, then come follow me. The guy goes, oh, can't do that. And Jesus, yeah, this is a problem. And listen, when Luke chapter nine, when we went over the, the Luke 14, I'm sorry, when he says, what is the cost of discipleship? It's gonna cost you everything. You're gonna have to sell everything you have to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to go sell your house or your car or any of those things. Listen, God has blessed you with those. But in our life, the more we're not willing to let go of, the harder it's going to be to know the Lord. Because our life is not about consuming. It's about 
blessing? Do we recognize what we have more than what we don't have? And this is a problem. This is a cancer in our generation. We only know what we don't possess. We don't know how strong we are. We don't know how, how much is inside of us. We don't know the power of our testimony. We don't know the people in our life. We only know what we don't have. And it's awful. It's because we don't know how to give. When you know how to give, you realize how rich you are. This could change somebody's life. Giving is one. Time is one. When you spend time with people, Man, I've got, I've got some time. I don't have much, but I, you know what? I got, I got time. People realize, man, this guy loves me. This, this, this person's like no one else. If you will spend time with people, there is something that you have to give, I promise. Your talents. I am not just saying this because it's cute. Like, you have stuff to give. You have an ability that someone else needs. Like you can fix something for someone. And it says, I love you in a powerful way. Then there's a guy sitting right here who says, I don't have a whole lot of time, but I can cut grass. And it is saying, I love you to some people. Like, holy moly, you showed up at my house and cut my grass multiple weeks in a row. I I don't know about you. Gary's been cutting our church grass here. He's been telling me he loves me for like several months. Gary, you're fantastic. You love me more than any of these other jokers in these other rows over here. Let me just tell you right now. And one of the other things I wanted to say is that love is giving. Love, love is grace. So, so the, the Bible says in John chapter 1, somewhere, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Jesus came to earth, and he dwelled with us. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace in truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. You know what I know that I know that I know that I know about God? He has given me what I don't deserve. And I want to kind of close with that thought, like what, what has God done for you? How do we act loving to a generation that's out there that's not kind to you? So you have to realize what you've been given from someone when you did not give it to them. For God demonstrates his his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's something to understand that God is love. Here's a cool verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. He says, Beloved, let us love one another for the love, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as as a, I can't say that word, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. Now he says that in this is the greatest commandment. I have a new commandment to give you. Love one another. If you want the world to know who I am, love them. If you want the world to know who I am, love them. People will look at you and go, there's something different about that human being. And I think it's, it's, it's grace. And I was trying to think of the, one of the coolest stories in all of the Bible that would define Jesus. And I, I think it's John chapter 8. I think the, the coolest story in all the Bible, other than him hanging on the cross, praying for people that crucified him, is when Jesus met with a woman caught in adultery. It defines grace and truth. 
I love that Jesus doesn't preach truth before he ministers grace. And what is grace? Grace is when we receive what we do not deserve. Have you received something from God that you can say you don't deserve? And when you can see that in your life, you can recognize how rich you are. Man, I do not deserve the people that God has put in my life. Some of you only know me today. I, I hurt people. I lied. I stole. I was a punk kid at one point in my life that would walk down the street and, and just key cars because I thought it was fun. I was a scumbag. I did not deserve what God gave me. I hurt people because I was hurting. And he gave me good people. He, he gave me a life. He took me out of a place that was dark for me and he put me, man, I love Lakeland, Florida. I think that this is one of the coolest places in all the world. I know what God has done for me. I have an education. I have a house. I, I, like, I have so much more than any one of my friends that I know. I wish that I could show you into my life and how obvious it is that God has blessed me. Can you see what God gave you that you don't deserve? Some of you got a second chance and a third chance and a fourth, fifth, and a sixth chance. And here's the reality is that many of us, our limit for the world is cut off at one. Nope, that's a bad person, they're cut. I don't trust them, they're cut. And I gotta tell you, this is not the way that we're gonna define love to the world. Jesus did it with, I love you regardless of what you do for me. Rachel, would you come? Deb, would you come? <laughs> what has God done for you? I, I, I'm praying that we would all become disciples, that we would hunger for the word, that we would hunger for his spirit, that we would know prayer, that we would know fearlessness and boldness, that we would know great things. But listen, that you, the world will know that you are Jesus. Not like Jesus, but that you have Jesus inside of you by the way that you radically live for Jesus. The world will know that you are his disciple if you love. And I think love is giving. And I think that we can only know generosity by receiving it. Have you received the grace of God? Have you received a new opportunity? And so just today, just for just a moment, I just want to uh, turn the lights down low and just sit for a second and just be thankful that the love of God has come, that God has received me, that we are adopted, that we are sons and daughters, that he has given us a new life and a new opportunity, and we're rich. There's people in our life we don't deserve. These are good folks. I have finances. I have health in my body. Man, there is, it is a good day, and I am rich, and I am rich because of Jesus. And most importantly, he has washed me clean. I hope you know that you know that you know what you have received from the love of God.